This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm Fraser Nelson and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman, Cindy Yu and Svelena Mornetzi. So the legal migration bill has been making its way through the Commons today with quite some fireworks from the Tory backbenches. Isabel, what did we have? So we've got votes later this evening and this is the final stage of the illegal migration bill, so the report stage and third reading. So this is the final opportunity for MPs to substantively amend the legislation before it goes up to the Lords, uh, where the real fight will begin. And we've had various um, critics of the bill who are normally characterised by Rishi Sunak as being lefty lawyers, big lefties like Geoffrey Cox, that famous socialist, the former Conservative Attorney General, and then Theresa Hostile Environment May, Ian Duncan Smith, also known as a a, a rampant lefty, apparently, criticising the bill, particularly um, in the case of Ian Duncan Smith and Theresa May, with regards to the weakening of protections for victims of modern slavery. You had Theresa May who is always quite acidic in the Commons these days about government policy, saying that she couldn't find any evidence that there had been an increase in people using modern slavery protections falsely, and uh, warning that this uh, would be uh, ensuring that more people would remain enslaved. She said it was a slap in the face for those who actually care about modern slavery, which was also implying that... um, the current regime in the Home Office do not. And then Geoffrey Cox uh, was criticising the idea that MPs were having to basically approve ministers uh, deliberately disobeying uh, international law obligations of this country. So there are going to be a number of amendments being voted on later uh, on the modern slavery protections and on um, uh, uh, ruling whether the, um, the government can ignore rulings by um, British or European judges on deportations. Uh, It's being branded as the Stop the Boats Bill, Mm. but it's not clear, indeed Rishi Sunak doesn't seem particularly confident anymore, that it will stop the boats, certainly not in time for the next election. Uh, And he's got it as one of his, I think it's his fifth key priority uh, that he sends all his campaign emails out with but uh, he has started to backtrack on the possibility that there will be any any reduction in the number of boats by the time people go to the polls. I imagine Isabel one of the arguments of course is after Brexit there is no European court no foreign authority can really exert any control over the British government what the king enacts through parliament is law. Now I imagine that Rishi Sunak um, will be saying that if we parliaments pass this bill, then we can't be second-guessed by any other institution, no court in Britain, no court abroad. If we want to deport to Rwanda, we can give ourselves the powers to do that. But then again, the courts have actually gone along with the government, haven't they? I mean, they, 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 they first of all, I think there was the appeal against the first deportation to Rwanda, then that the courts ruled in favour of the government, then the protesters appealed against that, and the Court of Appeal is due to hear that quite soon. Yeah, the Court of Appeal's got a case before it at the moment involving six men uh, who had been selected for deportation uh, to Rwanda, and uh, this case, I think, is concluding tomorrow, uh, and there'll be a decision on that later this week. Now, that's following the decision of the High Court, 
that the Home Office had actually um, met its legal duties uh, in deciding that Rwanda was a, a safe country to receive refugees. So judges aren't across the board ruling against the government because they're you know a block of leftists which i think is the, the sort of simplified picture that uh, that, that ministers are, are trying to portray okay now also today we had a long-awaited phone call between xi jinping in beijing and president Zelensky of ukraine svilena tell us why this phone call is important well, first, Zelensky has been praying for that call since 2021. And when Putin invaded last year, Zelensky tried to talk with Xi and to convince him to use his political and economical leverage to on Moscow to end the war. But those hopes died a lot, a lot of time ago. And now Zelensky hopes that at least China won't be sending uh, weapons to Russia. But a spokesman of the... Um, President Nikifor, after the phone call, he said that no agreements were expected from the conversation. It was just an exchange of views and a step towards the restoration of relationship between two countries because they didn't have any communication for like almost three years and Ukraine even didn't have the ambassador to China. But now there's an exchange of ambassadors. Um, Ukraine's sending one to Beijing and vice versa. Yes, but it will be China is sending the special representative, as they call him, and uh, he expected to have a in-depth communication with all parties uh, on political settlement of the Ukraine crisis, as China calls it. But that representative representative will be Li Hai, and he was ambassador to Russia for ten years and received two special awards from Vladimir Putin, including the Order of Friendship. Right, okay, so the diplomat which Xi is sending to Kiev is somebody who's been awarded and garlanded by Putin, which I imagine won't go down particularly well in um, Kiev. Uh, Yes, Ukrainians are very sceptical about China and its attempts to be a a peace broker in Ukraine, because if they wanted peace, they wouldn't be sending uh, some of their ammunition to Russia or parts of the Iranian drones. And it's been been proved by Western media. So the Chinese companies, not the Chinese Ch- government. Have Chinese been. company, mm-hmm. private company companies, yes. But how are those private companies connected with Chinese government? We mm-hmm. don't know. Cindy, what's the readout of the conversation in Beijing? How's it being spun there? So it's been said that it was a long and meaningful conversation that lasted almost an hour. A nuclear uh, attacks came up on in the conversation, which is very very interesting. Um, this is a position that China has consistently held and is a feature of its 12-point uh, so-called peace plan that nuclear uh, warfare would be you know, a red line for China. And that was also mentioned in this call. As Svetlana says that there is a greater exchange of diplomacy now as a result of this call. Zelensky says that he invited Xi to Kiev. I think that's unlikely to happen, but you know, an invitation is nice. And I think China's position throughout this whole war isn't that Ukraine has done anything wrong or that it necessarily supports Russia in its actions, but that it's not going to do anything really to lift a finger to help Ukraine all that much. So in March, China's foreign minister did have a phone call with Dmitry Kuluba, his um, foreign, uh, his uh, counterpart in Ukraine. So that kind of lower level communication has been happening. This is just a moment, a big moment where President Xi himself has now spoken to President Zelensky after the many times that which Xi and Putin have spoken. So it is a big moment. Of course, Xi visited Moscow relatively recently, and this will be, I imagine, him showing that he wants to engage both sides. A lot of people had looked to Xi as a potential peace broker. Svetlana, what would you say that um, Zelensky wants from China? 
Uh, I think he doesn't believe anymore that China will ask Moscow to withdraw its forces, but mm. at least he hopes that first China won't be sending any weapons to Russia and second that they will support the peace plan offered by Kyiv that includes like that territorial integrity of Ukraine of 1991 borders and security other security guarantees that it won't be invaded again and that's why earlier China said that they supported actually territorial integrity of Ukraine. So Zelensky hopes to find a common ground in that question with China. And it won't be like a negotiator between uh, Russia and Ukraine, but at least if China stands for Ukrainian independence and sovereignty, mm. then it means a lot for Ukraine. And Sunzi, you, you mentioned that the Chinese stressed that Xi's um, red line over the use of nuclear weapons. That is something which we tend not to pick up in the Western press. But um, I don't know if I'm about this talking to you. The significance there is I, I imagine that Xi wants just to put it beyond any doubt that he's not in favour of the use of any tactical nuclear weapons or whatever. Because obviously, this is, the, I guess the world is wanting to know to Xi, where are your parameters? If you're prepared to keep diplomatic relations with a Putin who is invading Ukraine and committing all these atrocities, where do you draw the line? And, and do you think he's trying to give us the answer here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, China said pretty explicitly all the way throughout the war that nuclear would be a red line for it. So it is it is interesting, as you point out, that in Western media, we don't hear about that very often. I think when you see things from Beijing's perspective, you know, they, they're trying to triangulate the best way forward in this war, where Ukraine was a major partner in the Belt and Road Initiative. It was a major recipient of investment in that sense. Um, China, I suspect, is also hoping for a leading role in Ukraine's rebuilding whenever the war finishes. So it doesn't want to completely, um, you know, it's, it's not completely one-sided towards Russia. At the same time, it's got all sorts of myriad of reasons why it wants to keep Russian Russians friendly. And so for there to be a nuclear strike, you know, that would be an escalation of this war where it would necessarily drag China and the rest of the world in. And war is not good for China at the moment because what it wants to do is to recover its economy. So I think that you've got to bear in mind as well. And also before the full-scale Russian invasion, China was Ukraine's number one trading partner. So for them, it's still important to keep Ukraine friendly. <laughs> okay, so small steps back to rapprochement. Svetlana, Cindy and Isabel, thank you very much indeed. Now, just to remind you that we're doing a live Coffee House Shots podcast. If you'd like to come and join us for a drink and then listen to the podcast, we're going to be doing it in Westminster on the 10th of May, which is exactly two weeks today. So to get tickets for that, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash coronation because we're going to be discussing the coronation. Thanks very much for listening and thanks to Cindy who reduced the podcast.